What's up, everybody? Ben Cruz here, the head of content at Vover, and I'm here to tell you about my show over on Vover, One and Done. The concept of One and Done is very simple. One guest, one question, one answer. That's it. We're looking to bring you the best guests and the best questions on every show, which will lead to the best answers. Some of my most recent guests include the creator of HBO's Entourage, Doug Ellen, one of the stars from HBO's Insecure, the always hilarious Yvonne Orji, and the Twitter legend himself, Josiah Johnson, aka King Josiah, and much more. The show leans into our short form format. Most shows are about 15 minutes, so if you don't have a full hour or two but want that quick podcast fix, Check out One and Done with us over at Vover on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, and welcome to In the Clinch MMA podcast on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm Paul Fontaine alongside Ryan J. Frederick. This is the penultimate show of 2021 as we just had the last UFC show and uh, and we have nothing to preview this week, but we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So um, before we get too far into this, um, I just wanted to mention we, didn't, we don't really have a ton to add on this. I mean, you know, but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact, um, you know, it, it was un- we got the unfortunate news this weekend that uh, 27-year-old Jordan Young uh, passed away. Um, details are kind of leaking out there, and you can Google it. We're not really going to talk about you know exactly what happened, but it's notable that um, you know he was the last opponent, or his last opponent was uh, Filthy Tom Lawler, you know, who was guest on this show and a good friend of both mine and Ryan's. And I can't imagine, you know, it must be weird for him. Um, obviously, to the friends and family of Jordan Young as well. You know, twenty-seven is way too young. Um, so um, I, uh, you know, I hope everyone's dealing with it. Okay, and uh, you know it's tough holiday season as well. So, uh, but we will. We we gotta. We want to get into the show. But before we do, uh, Ryan, um, start off on that somber note. You got any uh, big plans for the holidays? Are Omicron destroying any of your plans, or no? Is it pretty much business as usual? It. I mean, I was out and about. I was out and about today, and it would seem that Fort Worth, Texas, is completely oblivious to the fact that they're. That you know, Omicron is is around, but I mean, I mean, I on a personal level, I mean, I'm vax boosted, had COVID already. Yeah. I kind of feel like I'm all like I don't really have to worry about it. I went and saw, I went and saw Spider Man in a in a theater packed full of full of fans. You know, I think the maximum capacity of the theater was like 246 seats, and they were all full, and they were popping louder than you know than than you know the von Air getting louder the movie was getting louder pops than the von Erics in Dallas during the 80s you know just just craziness and I feel great here here it's been over four days since so I don't feel like anything's yeah. happened so I'm not I'm not all that worried about it it's not really ruining my plans I'm just gonna it's Christmas and my birthday at the same time yeah. so I'm just gonna yeah I'm just gonna cozy up with you know and then we got no ufc for a while so i'm gonna cozy up with with you know some streaming stuff some video games some movies and some whiskey and enjoy my life for a little bit we uh i mean i'm on a different planet apparently because uh in in manitoba we're we're but we're right back to like you know 15 months ago everything's getting shut down they just this is ridiculous 
They, so they just implemented a mandatory mask policy at my office where I work one day a week right now. Um, so basically it, in the past it had been, you had to wear a mask while you were going in and out. Now it has to be on at all times. 20 months later, they just finally figured out that this is what we should have been doing the whole time. Even though, as far as I know, there hasn't been a single person that's gotten COVID at our office, um, you know, through transmission, but that's the policy. So that's what they're doing. So it doesn't really affect me too much, but um, we're 50% capacity on everything right now. Um, hockey's pretty much postponed, like Jets games are done off for now. Church, uh, they announced that our service on sunday no church for the next three weeks even though it's christmas um it's all gonna be online like it's just it's crazy and i mean all the data that's coming out and i don't want to downplay this at all but all the down i guess i am but all the data that's coming out pretty much says if i'm reading this right it sounds like it's super transmissible but it's like a flu I mean, this is kind of sounding like what Trump sounded like at the beginning of the pandemic. And, you know, but that's kind of what this one sounds like, you know, and obviously the ones that came before it were not because a lot of people died. But, um, you know, I've seen some data that suggests that, you know, very few people are going to get hospitalized. And yeah, I can't I can't see the U.S. going on a full scale lockdown or anything. I think that would be an absolute nightmare nightmare. And as far as I'm concerned, like, like people like us who have done our part, I don't feel like we should have to, we should have to, you know, pay for other people not doing their part. You know, I want to, you know, I want to enjoy my life and I don't want to go back to how we were, were a year and a half ago, year and a half ago, whenever I've done, Everything and yep. everything to in my power to control it. I do think, I do think if we get a get an instance to where we can finally get some over the counter medications, you know, for COVID approved, that's coming to approved. Too. That's coming. I think it'll. I think the hysteria will wind down. I don't find this Omicron thing that big, that huge of a deal for, you know. The people who have done their part and the people who haven't done mm-hmm. their part, you know, I fear for them. I hope nothing bad happens to, to them. I have family members who don't want to get vaccinated, including a couple, including a couple that will be coming over for Christmas. I mean, it's we don't talk about we don't talk about it anymore. We've had our big blowout. I wish they would do that, but it's, you know, it is what it is. And, yeah. you know, I just I mean, I just hope nobody gets sick and this does it bad. But as far as like Omicron, I think it's I think it's being overreacted to quite a bit, quite a bit. You know, it's still mm-hmm. it's still serious to those to the unvaccinated, but to the vaccinated. I don't know. Yeah. Like like look at the NFL, all these players that, that are vaccinated and and, you know, in the NBA, they're like, we're not even sick. We're completely fine. But they're being told they can't do this. They can't do that. They can't play. And it's just I mean. I mean, I feel like if everybody who was vaccinated went and got tested for it, tested for it, you'd have the majority, you know, actually fail a COVID test for the for the virus without even knowing that they have it. So it's just yeah, it's just a that's weird exactly situation. It. It's a weird situation. I think you know everybody just kind of needs to live life as normal. And I'm also sick of you know seeing some people that are just still 
bitching about people who wear masks and all that and people who don't just let everybody live their life and don't complain about what what one person's doing and nobody should complain about what anybody's doing and just everybody you know live your life and just you do you and don't worry about anybody else and i think if everybody just did that did that life would be easy but everybody wants to make a big deal about what everybody else is doing yeah, no, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with anything that you just said there. Um, for me, we're just doing the usual. We have our family coming over. That's pretty much it. So, I mean, it's not we we have had more people in the past, but it's more it's not so much that it's COVID that's keeping them away. It's kind of like last year COVID happened and nobody could get together. So now they kind of all figured out their own things to do. And so now, like, they're just doing those things. They could come over if they wanted to, but they did their own thing last year and they just want to do it again this year. So. That's cool. And, hey, uh, and it's fine. You know, and, less people here is less work for my wife. And for me, the Packers play on Christmas Day. So I'll probably oh, be more, there you go. more obsessed with that than I will be about, you know, any, anything else that day. Here's a bold prediction and then we'll we'll drop the COVID stuff. By the time that UFC runs their first show um, in 2022, I think their COVID policies are going to change and they're not going to be testing fighters unless they're symptomatic. That's that's my bold prediction, because I think that's where we're heading. I think that's a good prediction, and I think I, I think it's honestly what they should do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's what they're going to be doing because because uh, they're not Dana White's not going to put up with half his roster uh, having to pull out of fights when they're not even sick. So, yeah, I mean uh, that's yeah. It, I mean it's like I like I said I I have spent most of my life working in public places where you're dealing with public the public so the amount of just diseases and sicknesses that just transmit all over the place from working in bars bars you know it's just ridiculous and there's i've probably technically been been in theory had the flu or been technically sick far more than i've ever felt yeah. sick and i feel like we're just Absolutely. just with, we're getting to that point with covid now where it's kind of the same the yep. same and then once we get over the counter over the counter stuff to deal with it well, i think everything will be just back back to as normal as we'll normal. ever get as we'll ever get absolutely well, I hope that the new normal includes uh, shows as great as we had this year. And we're going to get into some UFC statistics later on in the news section. But, I mean, this feels like a broken record. But every week we talk about these shows. And this is a go-out-of-your-way-I-can't-miss show. And, you know, after the fact. Sometimes we say it before the fact, and we're usually right. Um, but after the fact, it's pretty easy to say. And in this case, um, this is uh, this was another great show. Um, I uh, And, hey, you know, I'll and and some of this, I'll put it. I'll put us to this one. We were telling y'all last week that this main card was great, and you should watch this main card. And and if you watch the main card, you will find out that we were correct on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we lost one fight due to COVID. I kind of forgot about it. I actually went on Twitter and said, "Oh, we didn't lose any fights." And apparently, we lost one. But I I completely forgot about it. So it was probably the least one I cared about, honestly. Uh, Rowney Barcelos and Victor Henry. Um, I mean, Victor Henry was making his debut, and we talked a bit about him last week. But um, you know, most of the, most of the important fights still happened. Um, we you know on the broken record theme, we we got you know we got some questionable decisions, or at least one, anyways. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good show. Um, main event, 
it's funny because <laughs> I didn't talk to a ton of people beforehand about this main event, but you know, Chris Dalgas was favored going in. I kind of expected him to win. And yet everyone that you talked to after said, Oh yeah, Lewis, you know, I expected him to win. I favored him to win, blah, blah, blah. He was the underdog going into this. So, um, I, I think all these people that claim that they knew what was going to happen before it happened, should have said something before it happened. Uh, but you know, Derek Lewis, uh, you know, he proved why he's a former title challenger. He, I don't know. I think Daukus maybe uh, was a little bit shell-shocked being in the spotlight. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to sell Derek Lewis short, but this didn't look like the same guy that we saw get four straight knockouts. Um, Derek Lewis, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even know if Daukus landed a punch. Like, if he did, it wasn't hard. And uh, Lewis just, he looks really good. He was... Uh, his defense was strong. Like he wasn't, he wasn't getting hit and he was hitting and he was kind of taking his time, you know, waiting for stuff to happen. And then when it did, he pounced. And then, at the, you know, when, when he finally finished him, it was just, he, he just, he just swarmed him and, and finished it pretty easily. Uh, three minutes, 36 seconds. Derek Lewis got a KO, had a great pro post fight promo where he said, uh, first he said he wanted, uh, he wanted a title shot, but then he said he didn't want to fight five rounds anymore. And he said, if they uh, if they want to make title fights three rounds, give me a call. Otherwise, don't bother. I'm not picking up the phone. I thought that was funny because he didn't, didn't, didn't like five rounds. He just wants to be in three round fights going forward. So it's probably good because he probably doesn't deserve a title shot anytime soon. So, um, but, you know, he probably a good guy to put in main events. Just, you know, finish your fights in the first round. Then you don't have to worry about going five. Um, and yeah, this was, uh, you know, classic Derek Lewis promo threw his cup into the crowd and I'm sure somebody caught it i i would let that thing go um but uh what'd you think ryan well i mean paul if you would have read my preview on friday for the show you would know that i had picked Derek lewis to win the fight win the fight after i broke okay. everything down everything down it's just going like you know chris Dawkins was coming in on a roll roll had some impressive knockouts you know hadn't fought the level of competition that Derek lewis had been used to fighting and yeah it was a huge step up probably a little bit bigger step up than he needed at the time than he needed coming in this coming in this but you got to take these risks you know if you want to be a title contender and lewis looked leaner than he has has in a while and mm-hmm. while and just i mean everything was just on point for him and obviously he's still has that has that power and if he connects with that right hand it doesn't matter who it is who it is they're going to get knocked out and and unfortunately Dacus just couldn't avoid getting hit with that right hand and it was a brutal finish and you know kind of a vintage Derek Lewis performance all around from the way he fought the way he acted post-fight the you know the throwing the cup and telling the guy to turn it into NFT and make some money one day and just just everything (laughs) and then the you know in the you know one three round title fights and and you know but uh but i mean it's a win Derek lewis needed if he wants to if he wants to you know stay in that mix for title shot because if francis nagato happens to beat cyril gone i mean i mean you know we could uh, there's potential yeah. for lewis being you know just one fight away one fight away even you know just and if he wants it to be three a title fight to be three rounds we'll just focus on finishing the fight in three round three rounds i mean just but yeah but great performance by lewis and i don't really think Dawkins loses much in losing this it it kind of ends a title run but he's still young especially for a heavy yeah heavyweight and a couple wins he'll be right back in that in that mix 
Absolutely. Yeah. He's still, still probably top 10 fighter. And, uh, you know, as long as he can beat some guys that are either, you know, in the lower part of the top 10 or even the top 15, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll be back. And, uh, you know, first, first UFC loss, fourth loss of his career, not, nothing to worry too much about. Although, you know, I'm sure he would have liked to have gotten a win. Um, and, uh, Komain, uh, this, this was something else. Uh, Bilal Muhammad picked up the biggest win of his career. Um, got a unanimous decision over Stephen Thompson. Um, this, I don't know anybody saw this coming because Stephen Thompson rarely gets taken down. He's got a very underrated takedown defense and Muhammad just took him down over and over and over again. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I think, I think I gave the last two rounds, uh, a 10, eight, um, maybe, maybe just the one I don't, um, try, no, you know what? No, you know, it's definitely, yeah, definitely two. I think I scored at 30, 25. I didn't send in my scores cause I was watching on a delay, but, um, th- this was, this was easily the best performance of his career. I don't think that it was Thompson looking bad. It was just Bahamut you know, implementing his game plan. And, uh, this is one of the most underrated guys in the whole business. I mean, we had a joke when we first started this show, you know, kind of a running gag about me not remembering whether or not he was ranked and he's definitely ranked now. And, uh, you know, he's going to be, you know, pretty close to the top five because, uh, you know, he just beat a guy that, uh, you know, has, you know, challenged for the title and went to a decision twice, you know, um, and, uh, you know, one of the biggest, biggest names in in the sport really and especially in the in the division six straight win um well he had the no contest with leon edwards but you know six seven straight fight without a loss i guess we can say uh great great performance from from muhammad yeah i will say i i was shocked by how how much muhammad was able to dominate thompson i was just i mean i didn't expect you know i expected maybe him to get Thompson down, but Thompson's takedown defense and his get-ups are just so great that I didn't think he'd be able to keep him down. I mean, we're talking about, about Gilbert Burns, who's a world-class jiu-jitsu guy, couldn't even get Stephen Thompson down. But Bilal Muhammad just took him down and was just dominant from the top and, you know, took Thompson out of his out of his comfort zone on the feet. Thompson had a moment in the start of the third, but then Muhammad got him down and just dominated. And this was uh, super impressive and, and Muhammad was calling for Kamaru Usman afterwards, and and you know that's after seeing this. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight, you know. And he was also calling for mm-hmm. Leon Edwards, which if it will get more into later later in the show. But uh, just I mean, this is this is obviously the biggest win in Muhammad's career, and like you said, unbeaten in his last seven. He's only lost once in his last last twelve fights. I mean, uh, this guy. I mean. You know, if you don't remember the name of Bilal Muhammad yet, (laughs) now, I mean, now is the time to remember the name because, you know, if he keeps, if he has one more win like this, we're going to see him, see him fighting for a title, you know, in 2022. Yeah, um, I, I the name the fight that I would make next is the same fight that you have in your column. So you said we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. But yeah, that's you know to me it makes a of, ton of sense. That's got a little bit of an asterisk next to it. I got another fight in mind, but I also want to point out okay. to to Muhammad about Muhammad and all that. You know the fans inside the apex. It was really sickening to hear them. You know 
chanting oh, USA God. for Stephen Stephen Thompson, you know, and chanting Arab stuff at Bilal Muhammad, who was uh. born in Chicago and lives in Chicago and is an American. I mean, if you want to talk, you know, we talk about sometimes, you know, you know, whether or not some certain section of the UFC fan base may or may not be racist. And this is one of those times where you just kind of want to shake your head, shake your head at it. Just, you know, it's like, like, come on, there's no need for that. And to do it inside that empty building made it completely, you you could hear it. And even Paul, Paul Felder was like yelling at the guy, yelling at the guy, you know, he's from Chicago, you know, it's just, it's embarrassing. And, you know, if, if you're a fan, fan and you go to these fights, don't do stuff like that. Just enjoy it. You know, there's no need to heckle these fighters. Just, you know, and I hear it all the time, time go, you know, going to shows as much as I do. It's just, I mean, sometimes I'm just sitting there at media row and I just hear some of the worst stuff imaginable. And I just sitting there shaking my head and it's like, it's like, come on, just act, act like a decent human being, please. Yeah. That was just ignorant. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no other way to put it. Um, and then uh, in the uh, the next the next fight we got a split decision and I know you wanted to talk about this um, because you know we, we talk about the judging all the time and I, I got to tell you like I'm reading this right now and I I if you had asked me without looking at it I could have sworn Angela Hill won this fight um, in fact I watched the fight and I'm even more convinced Angela Hill won the fight. And in fact, I think I was listening to a recap of the show and they said she won the fight, but she lost a split decision to Amanda Lemos. Um, I think I scored it like most of the rest of the world, uh, 29-28 for Hill. I mean, you know, I mean, 29-28 Lemos, I mean, is not a horrible score. And Drake Riggs was the only uh, media member that scored it that way. But two of the three judges did. And freaking Douglas Crosby, who I swear has way more of these than just about anybody scored at 30, 27 for Lemos. Like fuck off. <laughs> I was even watching the fight. Like, you know, um, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. 30, I don't know. 30, 27 for Lemos. <laughs> Lemos is an absolutely horrendous, terrible <laughs> scorecard. There's no, anything else can be said about it. any adjective you want to, you want to use to describe that scorecard is applicable. But at the end of the day, it was a close fight. I mean, Lemos definitely yeah. won the first. She dropped Hill. Hill definitely won the second. She dropped Lemos. And the third was. Oh, not according like a, to Doug Crosby. Yeah. Hey, Doug, Cros- <laughs> Doug Crosby has scored a lot of stuff bad. I mean, I think sometimes Stevie Wonder could do a better job, better job than him, you know? So. So I mean, yeah. for all the all the shit that some of the media members get, ourselves included, when our scores go up on the on the uh, on the on ESPN, ESPN and USC broadcast, I mean, these judges deserve more more shit than we get. But anyway, but uh, but the third, I mean, if if you don't say the third was close, you're you're watching the same fight that Douglas Crosby was watching, watching and just picking a name yeah. out of the hat because the third was really close. Close Hill had a Hill had the takedown and had a stronger close of the round. Round she landed that spinning elbow that actually hit the shoulder of Limos, but in real time it looked like it hit her right right on the jaw, which kind of made probably made the difference in a lot of people's eyes. But it was close. But you got to feel bad for Angela Hill because every time she's in a close split decision, she comes up on the wrong end of it, and it's just 
you know, she's only she's had four split decisions in her career, and she's lost all four of them. And at this point, it's just like, it's just, just like, and even with like the Douglas Crosby scorecard, it just shows that you know this whole show and win pay structure should be just abolished and just pay fighters a flat fee because terrible judging is costing fighters fighters money and and mm-hmm. you know and for somebody like Angela Hill who's been on been on you know four ends of split decisions I mean not saying that she should have won all four fights this one she definitely you know 95% probably you know one I mean one out of 12 media scores had it for limos so i mean everybody you ask for i mean if you were to ask 100 people 95 of them would would say that angela hill won that fight so i mean just you got to feel bad for her and you got to feel bad that you know she's making making less in theory who knows what the UFC decides to pay her that's you know none of our that's none of our business but uh just gotta feel bad for her and amanda limos we last time she won, we you know Wally Ismail was cutting a crazy promo with this crazy guy saying that you know she was the be- best and deserved a title fight. After this one, I'm not sold that she's ready for a title fight, but it was a solid win for her. I, looking back over her uh, her split decisions, I and just going off of memory, I'm pretty sure I remember thinking that she won the fight with Claudia Gadelia, who we're going to talk about a little later. Um, Michelle Waterson, uh, I think that fight was really close, but I think I might have scored it for Hill. And then the other split decision loss was Courtney Casey. And if I remember that one right, I think it was pretty clear she lost that one. But um, it, uh, yeah, it, it, the, the one fighter that I always go back to with a ton of split decision losses was uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. And then he just basically decided, well, I guess I better start finishing people. And that's what he did. And then he ended up winning a title. So maybe that's what Angela Hill will do. Yeah. So maybe that's what she'll learn from this. Yeah, but... <laughs> no com- no comment about how Dos Anjos went about winning that. We'll just say, I'll just say all right, that. all right, all right. Let's just say he. Well, okay, yeah, I, I, yeah. He looked one yeah, well, way. Hey. He looked one way, then he looked a different <laughs> way, and then Usada came in and he looked another way. But he's still a great fighter. Yeah, still to this day, he is he's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ricky Simone got uh, probably well. Wasn't the biggest win of his career. Uh, was according to Michael Bisping, and then Simone called him out on it. Um, I thought that was funny. Um, but he uh, got a second round stoppage over Rafael Asanso. Uh, this was uh, uh, this was a kind of a destruction. Uh, you know, Simone was just dominant for the whole fight. Finished him uh, two minutes two two minutes fourteen seconds into the second round. Um, first round wasn't terribly close, and the second round just Simone just nonstop after a sunsau and basically just finished him with a with a right hook and uppercut and that was it um great performance from simone they they said uh, oh you finally beat a ranked fighter and he's like no i beat lots of ranked fighters bisping um and, and he's like oh okay <laughs> that was great because i remember like you know he's fought some big fights before he fought rob font and which he lost um but yeah yeah, he lost that one, but but I he's, think had, some, is, he's had some he's had some big wins. The, this is the first guy who's been ranked when they fought that he's beat. But I mean, you know, not Ron, Ronnie Yaha wasn't ranked. Ranked? Nope. Okay, and he beat Mirab Devalishvili in his um, in his UFC debut. But I don't think Devalishvili was ranked then either. No. no. Uh, Ray Borg might have been ranked at flyweight when he beat him. Um, Maybe. But uh, yeah, Kelleher. 
Kelleher, uh, mm-hmm. Brian Kelleher. Yeah, some big names that he's beaten. Yeah. Um, he'll definitely be ranked now. Um, yeah, he will. You know. Yeah. Will, so, uh, yeah, it was good, good, good performance. I mean, everyone expected him to win, and he did what he was supposed to. So, good for him. Oh, it was absolutely a great win for Ricky Simone, and it was probably his – is probably was his best win, best win so far in the yep. in the UFC. That that Davalshvili win, you know, it now it looks good now. At that time, Davalshvili had lost lost the fight before that, before that to Frankie Signs, but uh, but now it looks good. But that was also kind of controversial, versial the way that fight ended with one second to go by submission, and uh, nobody can seem to really recall whether Davalshvili actually tapped or the bell rang. So it was kind of weird, but. But it's kind of it's one of those fights we kind of probably should see again at some point, especially as both of them move up, yeah. move up the rankings. But uh, I mean, Rafael Sunstown has been a top level fighter for for a long time. Hadn't fought, you know, in eighteen months. Eighteen months and lost three straight, and thirty nine years old. And sometimes you just get old and can't take the punches anymore. And you know, it's probably that time for him. And for him, you know, now it's four in a row, four losses in a row for him. And but I mean, it's yeah, still a great. Done. It's still a great win for Ricky Simone and Simone. And of course, you know, always like everybody in the Bantamweight division is going to do talking about Sean O'Malley afterwards. Can't see the, I can't see that fight getting, getting made <laughs> next. next. I can see it in the future, but I can't see it, see it next because I think there's, there's better fights for Sean O'Malley to, to take next, even though they just booked somebody who would have been a good fight for him next. But, uh, but yeah, but I mean, really solid win for Ricky Simone and we'll see him fight a guy, you know, you know, top 10 guy next probably. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that uh, Devolish Feely fight again um, because I, I think that's another guy that people aren't probably clamoring to fight right now. Um, yeah, and I mean, so. and, and obviously while Algermain's the champion at 135, we're also not, Devolish also isn't clamoring for a title fight. So so to keep both those right. guys busy, you know, maybe that's a fight they, re- they revisit. Yeah, he's a he can be a gatekeeper. Um, all right, and then uh, we got Mateus Gamrot and <laughs> Diego Fajea. And you have not lived unless you uh, listened to the Wrestling Observer Radio recap and heard Garrett Gonzalez try to pronounce his name. That was funny. Um, <laughs> Fajea. Garrett, if you're listening, which you're probably not. No, you're probably listening. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, we, we talked about this fight a lot because, you know, Fajaya is, um, he he came into 2021, you know, kind of on a bit of a, a role, well, a big role actually. And now, you know, he's lost three straight fights in 2021, but, uh, you know, Benil Darius, Gregor Gillespie, and now Mateus Gamrot, like, wow, that's, they're not making it easy for him. And uh, Gamrot maybe you know, looked the best that he's looked. Um, you know, I mean, he finished Scott Holtzman really early, but, um, you know, the, and in Stevens as well, but this was more dominant and this was against a much, much, you know, top quality fighter. Um, and he, uh, you know, and, and basically Fahea tapped from strikes, which you don't often see. Uh, this is a guy that people are talking, we're talking about as a future title contender, you know, came into the UFC with a 16 and 0 record and, you know, lost a split decision in his debut. And uh, now he's rat- rattled off three straight finishes. Uh, this guy is a guy to look out for in 2022. I mean, if you've listened, if you've listened to us and listened to me, particular talk about Ga- Ga- Gamera, you know I've been high on this. This guy as a guy to look out for, and this was his big, big coming out party. I mean, Fajaya is a top 
top, he's a top lightweight and he actually made weight for this fight, which is, you know, which is, mm-hmm. you know, may have been good news or bad news because, because Fajaya always seems to fight better when he misses weight, misses weight. And he did claim that he had the rib injury coming into the fight. So, so, I mean, Gamron obviously didn't know about that, but he landed the right shots to, to finish it. I mean, and just looked fantastic. And I mean, you know, I think he's 20 and one with the one with yeah. one, no contest. And, and I mean, that's hard to do, to do. I mean, he's from KSW, which, you know, is one of the tougher regional and tougher, bigger, bigger European, you know, promotions out there, out there and trains an American top team. Everybody's just really high on him. I'm really high on him. And he's got realistic goals. He doesn't expect to fight for a title in 2022, but by 2023, you know, we're, we could see him in a title fight, and he is probably definitely on my fighter to watch, number one on my fighter to watch list for 2022. And maybe even he's going to be high up on my list of, uh, well, we have to do the year-end awards for the Feige Media and for Breakthrough Fight of the Year. He's He's got to be somebody you got to consider uh, with three straight, three straight finishes in yeah. 2021. Um, and uh, the opener on the main card was... Uh, yeah, Cub Swanson. Wow. Um, he he finished uh, Darren Elkins. He just destroyed Darren Elkins. Elkins was bleeding, uh, you know, like 15 seconds into this fight. And uh, Swanson just just swarmed him and and uh, clipped him with a with a wheel kick and then finished him with punches um you know as he was going down elkins didn't know what hit him he was still trying to fight you know after long after the fight had been stopped um the, this was uh you don't see anybody do this to darren elkins and cub swanson like i don't know where the hell he came from uh but uh he um you know he turn back the hand to time i guess or whatever the expression is um you know after losing to giga in his last fight you know which is you know not you know most people are going to lose to giga um but this was uh this is a great great performance from uh cub swanson and uh you know 38 years old and looked probably better than he has in years so yeah, what I mean, else to it, say was, about that? it was, you know, the Cub Swanson of old whenever he was a title, you know, contender, just finishing fights. And I mean, he looked he looked great. I mean, obviously, lots of guys are going to lose to Giga Chikadze. That's not a bad loss for Cub at any means. But yeah, just to destroy Darren Elkins the way he did when nobody else has done anything like that on the feet to Elkins. I mean, he arguably finished Elkins three or four times, four times in that fight. Yeah. It was just, it, I mean, it wasn't even close. It was just a, just, just a thorough thrashing and and here we were talking about last week about how this how this could be you know just an absolute brawl and a fun fight and it was it was fun for cub swanson not fun at all for darren elkins but uh yeah just great showing for cub swanson and he had his entire family there and you've never seen just a guy happy just to be you know a dad and having one and he even talked about afterwards going possibly dropping down to 135 and if he were to go to bantamweight Ooh. i mean just all oh, just that's another big addition i mean his age will be will work against him because he is 38 but he still he looked like he looked like a 30 year old on saturday night and just looked yeah. fantastic there's a there's a fight that will you know if he dropped down just see one day is him and o'malley um yeah that know, would be great yeah uh, um the uh 
I, I was just looking, you have to go back to uh, Chad Mendez in like early 2013. So almost nine years ago to see somebody, you know, finish Elkins this quick. And that was before Mendez won the title. So, um, or did, did he ever even win the title? Before he challenged for the title, anyway. Well, it was after he yeah, challenged. Yeah, yeah. But he challenged once before, but it was before the yeah the con, the yeah. second out Connor fight, fight. And, and before the yeah. Connor fight. Yeah, but that was uh, you know that was prime Chad Mendez, and uh, you know so that that's how long you go back, and he's had a lot of you know tough decisions uh, since then, going both ways, and big big win for him and Darren Elkins. I'm pretty sure we haven't seen a loss to him either. So um, I. Uh, <laughs> I, I told you, I won't, I won't go over all the messages we had here, but um, I was telling you, I was watching with my grandson and uh, he, 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 he read damage on the chest of Darren Elkins. And he says, why, why is he called damage? And then like 30 seconds of the fight, he says, oh, that's why he's called damage. I thought that was funny. <laughs> and, uh, and then when he lost, he says, uh, cause he was listening to Joe Martinez give his intros and he said, uh, you know, Darren Elkins, 26 wins and nine, uh, defeat or 26 victories and nine defeats. And then, and then my, my grandson, Liam goes, Oh, I guess he's got 10 defeats now. And I was like, yep, continue paying attention, buddy. Cause I didn't know I had to look it up. He remembered. <laughs> Um, so, uh, t- uh, tell us about these prelims and man, I got a few things I want to say, uh, you know, maybe I'll wait till the end, but the, the, these prelims were, uh, you know, a lot of big names and uh, a lot of, a lot of really good fights. Yeah. I mean, six, of six of the seven prelims ended in a finish and the one that went to the dis- distance was a really exciting fight, but, uh, we'll kick it mm-hmm. We'll kick it off. Uh, first fight of the night was lightweight fight between Jordan Leavitt and Matt sales. Leave it uh, won by submission in the second round. Leave it dominated on the ground in the first. Sales uh, started off the second, landed a couple of shots, and then then got a takedown. But Leave it was able to get an inverted triangle choke and got Sales to tap. I mean, it's been a. I can't remember the last time we saw an inverted triangle choke in the UFC. I mean, it was a crazy finish. And Leave it said that it's that it's a, a move that he works on a lot. I mean, just I mean, it was a crazy finish, crazy finish. And you know, I don't know. I mean. He should have got a bonus just for the uniqueness of the submission. Submission, but hopefully he got a little extra pay for that because you're rarely going to see that finish. Uh, next fight was a heavyweight fight. Dontel Mays finished Josh Prezian in the third round with some vicious elbows. Just Mays dominating Prezian with takedowns and top top control. And uh, second round was a, in particular was a big Mays round. He could have finished Prezian a couple times. Could have finished him a couple times in the first, first to be honest, but definitely in the second. And then in the third round, he got that crucifix position and it was just barrage of elbows and wasn't going to let up until Herb Dean stopped it. And Herb Dean, you know, Mr. Referee of the year probably stopped it a little later than he, <laughs> later than he should have. But, uh, but yeah, impressive win for Dontel Mays. And he looked, you know, if he can get some fights into him and get some more experience, he looked like he could be a guy who could get up there in the heavyweight division, not necessarily a title contender, but, you know, a tough guy to fight. Um, next, we had a little bit of history. We had a fight that that during the week was changed to a featherweight fight, but Macy Chieson still missed weight by two and a half pounds. So she was technically the biggest female to you know weight wise to fight in a ufc fight thus far but uh raquel pennington ended up submitting her in the second round first round was back and forth on the feet lots of trading 
Pennington was landing with good volume, but Chieson landed some hard shots. Uh, second round was a lot of the same. A lot of the same early on. Chieson tried to take down, but Pennington was able to grab the neck, get a guillotine choke in, and got Chieson to tap. I mean, and that was it. Uh, Pennington strong win for her. That's three in a row. Three in a row. She looked looked really good in this fight, and um, I mean, mm-hmm. with the change of at the top of his bantamweight division, you know, she could be right there in that mix mix for uh you know the future though you know we'll be seeing that rematch for the title here soon uh feather next fight featherweight fight with the distance charles jordan uh the unanimous decision over andre Ull, 30 26 30 27 29 27 jordan dominated the last two rounds and when i say dominated like pure domination he could probably have given 10 eights in both the second and third i gave the third a 10 eight i didn't give it the second probably should have gave the second a 10 eight but but i gave Ool the first because the first was uh very competitive and very close with jordan just did all sorts of work to the body body landed lots of knees lots of body kicks uh Ool was stumbling around in the second and third third and just a great win for jordan he said it was the last fight on his ufc contract and he's betting on himself so he should be getting a sweet new deal next uh next we had what was supposed to be a women's flyweight fight but sajara eubanks missed weight uh won't say i'm shocked about that but but uh uh melissa gato ended up defeating sajara eubanks third round tko eubanks took gato down in the first did enough to stay on top and win the round Tried to do the same in the second, but Gatto ended up reverse reversing because Eubanks was gassed out after the first round. Uh, Gatto dominated the second round of the top. Third round, Gatto landed a body kick right to the liver of Eubanks. Eubanks went down, and it was all over. Uh, next, we had some more history. Justin Taffa became the first heavyweight to ever miss weight, which is kind of, you know, <laughs> miss weight by a pound, which if you're a heavyweight and you only miss by a pound, that means you definitely, and you look like like Justin Taffa, who's not, we'll just say he's not muscular. I mean, he probably could have lost that other pound, but but just, I mean, just didn't want to. But anyway, he knocked out Harry Hunsucker with a head kick in a minute 53. Not a surprising result. I mean, Taffa was just humongous in there with him and landed some hard punches and landed a head kick that put Hunsucker down and out as quick work. And then closing out the prelims, we had a middleweight fight. Gerald Mishart with a come-from-behind win, submitting Dustin Stolzfus in the third round. Stolzfus, if you were watching this fight, you would think Stolzfus won the first two rounds easily because he, you know, was working on top and did did a lot of control from the top. But it was actually... Actually, he was ahead only on one scorecard. The other two scorecards were tied going into the third. So the third was going to be be the swing, be the difference maker anyway. Anyway, but Stolzfus was controlling early in the third. Then Mearshart was able to get the back, got a rear naked choke locked in, got Stolzfus to tap, and just a great win for Mearshart to close out the prelims. Yeah, I said I had a few things I wanted to uh, say. Um, so they you mentioned the inverted choke in the opener. Uh, they had said on commentary that it was the third 
you inverted choke in UFC history. So, um, it, and didn't don't know when the last one was, but it's definitely a long time ago. Um, Chase on they they also mentioned that they I guess she only took this fight on ten days notice. So that yeah. probably is why they made it one forty five. And then I didn't I didn't even know she'd missed weight, but she looked a lot heavier, uh, a lot bigger, I should say, than Pennington. And of course, she fought. I think the season of the ultimate fighter that she won uh was also at featherweight but that was basically all a bunch of bantamweights that they just put at featherweight uh so they didn't have to cut as much um i scored the jordan ewell fight i scored at 29 26 which i was surprised none of the judges did um so i i like you gave ewell the first uh the first round and then i i did 10 eights in the other two so um yeah, would that would add up to yeah, yeah 30, 29, 26. That's 29, yeah. 26. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but no judges did, and in fact, one judge gave it thirty twenty seven, which I thought was very weird because third round was clearly a ten eight. Um, and uh, uh, how'd you score uh, Melissa Gatto and Sajara Eubanks? Uh, well, I mean, it was one one going in, but so, so, Gatto. Oh, you didn't, you third. didn't, you didn't give it a score at the end of the fight. Okay, no, just just wondering. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, because I didn't know Justin Toff. Because it ended a minute in, and you don't post oh, scores okay, for okay. a fight. So we don't, fight we that don't post a score. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just, just otherwise, find that. Otherwise, you um, might be accused of not watching the, not actually watching the fight. Well, I have been accused of that <laughs> on more than one occasion. Um, Justin Toffa, I again, I didn't know he had missed weight either. But I, when I watched that fight, like he looked like he was three hundred pounds. Like he was, he's massive. I mean, he's a, um, he's a Mark, a he's big, a disciple of Mark Hunt, which you know, Mark Hunt, yeah, was always a big guy, and they look pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. They don't. I don't think they do uh, same day weigh ins in Vegas. But he he's he was closer to three hundred than he was to two sixty five. I'll just say that. Um, and uh, yeah, and and the Stolfus. I had that one one going into third as well. So I, I wasn't surprised when you said that. But you easily could have given both of the first two rounds to Stolfus and Mearshart for for all he knew he needed a finish. So he got it. Um, so yeah, great, great, great uh, card. Um, they only gave out three, uh, like, well, four bonuses on the show. They have fight of the night for Lemos and Hill, Swanson and uh, Gato got uh, performance bonuses. All those finishes, and they just gave two. So that's not a bit of a, a change from the last few weeks. But uh, you know, I'm sure you know they they often bonus people uh, besides the 50k. So. Hopefully Dana took care of them. Um, oh, and uh, before we get any further, uh, a little late on this, um, I just uh, I just wanted to ask uh, just a little favor for the listeners here. Um, actually, two asks. If you're listening to us for the first time, uh, hit that little subscribe button on uh, you know Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, however you're listening. Um, you can unsubscribe in the future, but when you subscribe. You get multiple shows uploaded directly to your app weekly, and you think we'll like what you hear. You know, we've got uh, various things. We've got boxing, uh, pro wrestling, MMA, you know, our show. And, uh, you know, give, give, them, give them a listen. It's, it's excellent coverage, and it's all free. And, uh, you know, by subscribing and liking uh, and giving us a nice review, um, it helps us out. So, yeah, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify uh, through the mobile app, 
uh, give us a five-star rating. It's real easy to do. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of work and it really helps us grow. We go through the podcast rankings. More people know about the show, um, helps us out. And, you know, more listeners means uh, we can improve our video quality. We can do or our, our audio quality, I should say, and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, just, just do that for us and uh, we'll keep putting out great shows for you. Um, so, uh, as... Um, we move on to our news section. Um, actually, no. First, we got you wanted to go over some uh, statistics, and and these, uh, if you're following along, you can pull up Ryan's column at Fight Game Media. Um, it's his Monday morning roundup, which is essential reading, and hopefully, all of you lists read it every week. But if you if you haven't seen it yet, uh, Ryan's got some cool stuff on uh, UFC statistics. So, Ryan, why don't you highlight what you wanted to talk about here? Yeah, I spent my Sunday morning rounding all this up, you know, just because it's always fun to look back at the at the year after the UFC's end of the year. So just some interesting tidbits on their 2021, you know, year as far as inside the fight, you know, non-business related. So they ran 43 events this year, which, which, you know, their ESPN contract calls for 42, but they only ran 41 in 2020 because of the pandemic. So they ran an extra show this year, this year to make up for that. But, uh, over the course of the 43 events, we had 509 total fights. You know, the first of the year was Austin Lingo against, I think Yusef Zalal, or Jacob, or Austin Lingo against Jacob Kilburn, some of them fight Island, and then we ended with Derek Lewis against Chris Dawkins. But uh, in those 509 fights, we had 171 finished by knockout. That includes, you know, doctor stoppages, referee stoppages, corner stoppages. But 171 in a knockout. We had 73 end in submission. Uh, 201 fights won by unanimous decision. Only 45 split decision decisions which as much as we talk about judging you know it's kind of crazy that we had that small of a percentage you know less than 10 percent you know ending in a split decision we had six fights ended a majority decision five draws five no contest two disqualifications which is you know it's always rare to see just one ufc disqualification but we had two you know in this year and then we had one fight that was over turned into no contest due to a drug test failure so and also in those 509 fights uh, we had 20 title fights we had six titles change hands and then we had three additional titles two of them interim and one of them vacant that uh that you know somebody won so out of 20 title fights we had nine new champions come out of the come out of that so almost half the title fights had a new champion coming out of them so just some interesting stuff you know for those statistic nerds like myself you know who want to <laughs> look back you know look back and it took me some time to come up with it because come up with this because I was adding up some numbers wrong and I had to add up quite a few of these numbers about three or four, four times to, you know, to get it even. But, you know, that was, that was, you know, your year inside the octagon. That's uh, so a couple things um, jump out at me. I'm, I'm actually surprised that we only had 20 title fights because usually it feels like we either have two or three on every pay-per-view. And of course I, I, what I don't see here is how many pay-per-views we had. Um, and I guess, you know, if you include Abu Dhabi 12. Okay. And that includes Abu Dhabi. Uh, well, the Abu Dhabi, the, the Abu Dhabi one in, in uh, October was not a pay-per-view for, 
Okay, for so that doesn't include Albuquerque. U.S. So that one, that one so, does account. But we, so had, we had thirteen numbered, thirteen numbered UFC 13 events, events. We'll say we had we had two numbered events though that didn't have a title fight because they were headlined by Connor right, McGregor. Two Connor. Yeah. Right. So if we so the other eleven, we had twenty. So that's almost two um, per show. So that's you know I think they shoot for three, you know especially on the weaker ones at least two, and then you know hopefully you know at least one holds up, and that's kind of what we got here. Um, but yeah, so that that one yeah. kind of for surprised the, me. For those who don't know the actual deal, they they shoot for two title fights for every every show because they're pay-per-view deal with ESPN requires a title fight or a non-title McGregor or Nate Diaz fight in the main event, I think is what okay. it, it's mainly McGregor, but they can, they yeah. can do some special stuff depending on who If you ever wondered why that BMF title was created, it was so they could market <laughs> a pay-per-view show with a, title fight we'll put that in air quotes but yeah but yeah but that's kind of that's kind of why you see two title fights on on every show that way in case one falls out you still have yep. have another one so that makes sense and then the other thing uh so i'm if my i'm doing quick math here it looks like we had uh so 171 knockouts 73 submissions um five no contests and two disqualifications so that's 251 fights that ended uh that didn't go to a decision out of 509 so almost exactly half um how, do you i don't know if you have the statistics relatively handy and maybe i should have asked you this beforehand but how does that compare with other years uh, um, I, I is it have, generally about half or I, okay i, I, I don't years. have okay. all that i'd have to i'd have to spend some time you know researching all that yeah it feels like as we've gone along and i think i saw something at some point on this when in the early days of ufc we got a lot more finishes and then as the sport evolved we were getting a lot more decisions and this year for some reason it felt like we were getting more finishes and i don't know if that's um maybe a lot of lower fighters that are coming into ufc before they're typically ready to get there or you know it could be the pandemic and people you know wanting that win bonus um you know i or maybe i'm wrong and there was less i don't know i will Uh, but it felt like there was more i will say another underrated factor which i actually probably came in handy in both the co-main event and the main event from this past week was a lot of those ufc apex shows with the smaller octagon it tends to lead to more finishes because there's less movement which you know a smaller octagon benefits somebody like Derek lewis with his power and also Mm -hmm. hurts somebody like stephen thompson who likes to have have a lot of space to move around so so you know going back to that also probably helps lewis with his cardio although that didn't come into play here but um he doesn't have to worry about covering as much distance um you know chasing people um so yeah that that was uh that was really cool um i'm I'm glad you did that and uh, yeah and you can find that ryan's got it all outlined there everything he just said here um in his column on uh, fight game media um so uh in that realm uh we got to talk about, and this is also highlighted in your column, um, and we hinted at it earlier. Uh, what do we got to talk about uh, today? For our, we have to talk about segment this week. We're going to mm. talk about Claudia Gedalia. And uh, she, it was interesting. I was wondering, you know, if, about a month or two ago, I was just like, you know, Claudia Gedalia, when I was like looking over fighters who hadn't fought this year, who were like still in the rankings, when I was looking at 
you know, potential matchmaking when I do my matchmaking for my column. Column, I was just like, Claudia Gadelia hasn't fought this year, and I don't see her book for anything. And it's kind of, I was kind of interested why why she hadn't. Never really asked anybody. Just you know, just thought maybe she'd take a time off. But uh, turned, but uh, kind of a surprising news coming out Friday. She announced her retirement from the sport. Uh, she said in her last fight, which was in November of 2020 against Jan Zionen. Uh, she suffered a concussion during that fight and she was having real bad effects from the concussion afterwards. And then after she thought she had recovered, she had post-concussion syndrome, kind of lingered with her a while. While because of the pandemic, she couldn't really travel to Brazil because she had moved from Brazil to Las Vegas. Her family couldn't come from Brazil. So she felt like she was in kind of just like a real rough mental state, you know, couldn't fight, couldn't train because just just of all these post-concussion syndrome issues. Then she started looking up, you know, studying to become a nutritionist and just decided that between all that, you know, now's probably the best time to walk away from the sport. And, you know, she was one of the, you know, one of the more popular straw weights, straw weights, you know, that the UFC had, had, you know, was always, could always be put on a main car, main card and, uh, was one of the best straw weights in the world. And her and her rivalry with Joanna, yeah, you know, Jay check when they, uh, when they coach ultimate fighter kind of put the help, put the straw weight division on the map a little bit. And they, you know, you know, they fought each other twice. Joanna won both fights, including one, including one one was a title fight and that was a really good great fight you know that they had they had you know during during a big you know fight weekend i think it was during ufc 200 weekend but i was uh, there yeah. live yeah yeah they had it at the was it at the cosmopolitan i think if i remember correctly no no that was at the um or did the they, have at the, they had it at the mgm that's when yeah. they had the yeah they had the two shows at the mgm they had the dos Anjos alvarez show and then they had that one and then they had the debut at the t-mobile t-mobile that's right you know for usc 200 yeah but uh that was yeah, that just, horrible show that we were relying on gray maynard to save the show and he did he had a great fight against with, Fernando Bruno, but it was a horrible fight, before, a horrible show before that. But yeah, but Joanna uh, and Claudia had a great fight, great main event. Oh, they had a great, that. great, yeah. great main event. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. but yeah, just I mean, she's thirty three years old. You always say never say never in this sport, especially at that that age. But I mean, but she sounded, you know, she sounded done, and you know, head injuries, concussions. That's no joke, and a joke, and she kind of, you know, kind of gave a little. Warning to fellow fighters to be like, hey, if you're suffering from this stuff, get yourself checked out and get right and right and just you know, any thoughts from you on Claudia's career and her decision to yeah walk away because of basically because of head injuries. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, it's good that she's getting out before she, you know, she's doing it on her own as opposed to being forced to retire. So, you know, I always like when fighters do that. Um, in terms of her career, that that fight, uh, I just was remembering because I, I think I got a picture on Facebook. I watched that fight with Brian Alvarez, uh, our, our friend uh, Peach Machine, um, and Rick Victor. Uh, formerly of uh, WWE, and he was still in WWE at the time uh, when when we watched that fight. So that was uh, kind of a weird group that we were together for. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Claudia Gadelia in the very first ever strawweight fight uh, in UFC against uh, Tina Lodmaki? Yes, 
That's I think in that's, yeah, it was that's correct. Yeah, and she was in the she was in that fight because she didn't want to go on the uh, Ultimate Fighter with the, the strawweight strawweights because she was she was a big strawweight and and she said that you know I don't know that I can can make weight three times three times in six weeks because she was always a big strawweight and had she gone on had she gone on the Ultimate Fighter and competed in that. The history of the strawweight division could have been completely different because she would have been far and away the odds-on favorite to win the win the title on that show. But uh, but yeah, you know, she wasn't. Well, I mean, if it not her, fan. if not if not her, then Joanna, who also didn't go on that show, um, and she fought like ten days later. So it was her and Joanna and Paige were like the three big names at the time that didn't go on the show. Paige because she wasn't old enough because they had drinking, and then Joanna and and Tina, or I mean Joanna and. Uh, Claudia for their own reasons. And then, yeah, then they had that split decision in uh, December 2014. Then Joanna won the title. And yeah, Claudia Gadelia was somebody that I think people always remembered her from the, you know, the series with Joanna and thought she was maybe better than she was, Um, you know, and over the years, you know, she, you know, kind of at you know, she won a little bit more than she lost, but, you know, she lost. Her losses actually don't look too bad. You know, Jessica Andrade, Nina Nunez, Jian uh, Yan in her uh, last fight. Um, you know, she's got a win over Angela Hill that we talked about earlier. Um, and she's beat Carlos Barza, you know, former champ in 2018. So um, Carolina Kol- Kovalkiewicz, another, uh, she finished her, um, another former title challenger. So, you know, one of the, you know, I think probably if you're putting together a list of the best strawweights in history, she's maybe top 10, um, you know, and uh, she's walking away at 33. As we saw with Misha Tate, you know, you can always come back, but, um Hopefully, if she does, she'll have enough time to, you know, make sure she's fully healthy. But if she doesn't want to, she can move on with her life, get into training. And you know, she's with that Nova Unau team in Brazil uh, that Jose Aldo and others are a part of. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, good career and uh, hope hope the best for her in the future. Um, anything else you want to add? No, we're good. No. No. Okay. So let's let's get into the news. Um, and there's a lot of it, and we got some time. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, Kamara Usman. What's going on with him? Yeah, it uh, looks like he's not gonna. Word is he's not gonna come back until about the summertime. Uh, he uh, I think he broke his hand again in the Colby Covington fight, and you know he fought three times in 2021. Which, I mean, most most champions are only fighting once or even once or twice in a calendar year, and he fought three three times you know and fought twice over the span of span of about uh, about something like 10 weeks 10 weeks early in the year in the year but uh you know to recover from the hand injury injury take a little time off and and so it's possibly looking like the summertime for him to fight whenever you know early on it was thought you know possibly April or even March for his next next fight, which kind of opens the door because, you know, whenever the thought was that he was going to fight in the spring, Leon Edwards was going to be the guy getting the title fight. And now it kind of puts Leon Edwards now back in a weird spot where he might be forced to take a fight, take a fight, especially with the UFC planning on running London there in March. You know, there's no guarantee. You know, we've talked, we talked on the show, you know, Darren Till was 
was looking like he was going to headline against Uriah Hall, but there's no guarantee that that fight happens in London, and there's no guarantee that Darren Till ends up on the London card. So they could be looking for a new new main event, and Leon Edwards would be a perfect guy to headline it. And you could possibly go with against Bilal Muhammad, you know, do that rematch because yep. Bilal was calling for that fight as well afterwards, and. Yeah, I mean, they have unfinished business because they had the no contest, and that would be a great main event. So, so, but yeah, it looks like Usman, you know, out till summertime, which is kind of a kind of a shame because if he's not fighting till July, August, you know, you might only get one Usman fight in 2022. And, you know, he's over this year, he's become one of their big draw, big draws. So that would kind of hurt business wise if he only fights once next year. Well, I guess they're maybe hoping that uh, John Jones comes back and lightens that blow, but I don't think he's anytime soon, the way it's looking. Um, uh, UFC 274, uh, that's all you gave me here, and I'm going to assume from something you said earlier, is that when we're getting Nunez-Pena? Uh, who knows? Who knows, but uh, UFC 274 oh. is going to be uh, May 7th in Rio, in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh you know, oh. the, that looks like it's going to be the first event back in Brazil. Brazil. I mean, this is all pending, you know, everything going smoothly when it comes to COVID and all that and, and all these plans coming to fruition. All, of course, everything is up in the air, just like the London show, the Columbus show. Everything's not, I would say everything's not official until the closer you get. But the plan is, you know, Brazil for UFC 274, they tend to run the May pay-per-view in, in Brazil. So, uh, you know, the thing about Brazil pay-per-views is you're either going to have a Brazilian champion defending or a Brazilian title challenger. Uh, I If I were a betting person, person based on when he said he was going to return, I would guess the main event ends up being Glover Teixeira defending the light heavyweight title against Yuri Prochaska. I mean, you could also also do Pena defending against Nunez in the rematch, but, you know, Nunez lives in, yeah, Nunez is Brazilian, but she lives in Florida, Florida now, and <laughs> who knows if Pena wants to go down there. And the only other Brazilian champion. Yeah, who cares? But, uh, Oliveira. Is Oliveira, but uh, I really think Oliveira and Gaethje is a big fight, and and I think you want that in the U.S. And I'm not saying anything bad about Brazil, but let's be be honest: the Brazilian shows generally have less interest because there's less American media going down there to cover it, and less actual coverage during the week of a show. So so you know it's kind of and Oliveira Gaethje's a big fight, so I think you want a lot of media surrounding it so brazil's not necessarily the best place for it you know somewhere like las vegas chicago dallas new york wherever los angeles that's a better fit for that fight than than you know rio de janeiro would be so so i could honestly see yeah glover and yuri as a title fight that makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, and, you know, I would think Oliver and Geishi, that sounds like a international fight week fight. Uh, I don't know if they want to wait that long, um, but that's, uh, you know, that's a big fight. And obviously probably want to get Connor when he's ready to come back fighting on the same card, you know, just in case something happens. So, you know, yeah, do do that. And you know what? 
Nunez Pena makes a lot of sense on the undercard. Um, if you know, and I, like I said, I don't care what Pena wants. Um, you know, just tell her she's defending it. I, um, I, but I have the, <laughs> I have the feeling when they do Pena and Nunez, it's going to be the main event somewhere because Dana White thinks oh, okay. it's going to be the biggest women's fight in UFC history. He did an interview oh, with. Come on. He did an interview. He did an interview. His year-end interview with Brett Okamoto that came out today, and he flat out said that he thinks it's going to be bigger than Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey. So, so I mean, do you think he actually believes that? It's what he said in an interview. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Dana. Dana. Dana usually is very truthful about what he what he believes. Okay. So I believe him when he says he believes that. I don't agree with it, but uh, but the way he's acting yeah. about that fight, I think I think it's going to headline its own sh- headline a show. So because hey, I, you I know think, what I mean, I think they're interest. I think they're interested in giving it a chance. So so yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe a double that up with a Valentina um, title defense or something. Yeah, or um, you know, or Rose. I don't, I don't know what the timings. Or did, I don't know if I had Rose. Rose yeah, or I don't know if I had Rose listed on her news rundown. I can't remember, but uh, also in Dana White's inter- interview, you which don't. which uh, I had this in my column, which I wrote before Dana's interview came out. Came out, you know, Rose was talking about how was, you know, basically campaigning for Carla Esparza to get a title shot. Well, Dana confirmed during his Brett Okamoto interview that Carla Esparza is getting the next title shot against Rose Namajunas. That's 100%. So you could possibly do that as a co-main underneath, you know, Pena Nunez. Nunez, you know, maybe even do a triple header with all three women's title fights. That's something they've never done. Well, that'd be cool. And I think, you know, if you gimmick, you could gimmick a pay-per-view, pay-per-view like that, you know, say April or something, you know, you know, the gimmick, a pay-per-view. Hey, you know what? You could even, if they really want to do something, put, you know, if they're going to do all th- do three title fights, just have the whole main card be all women's fights. Yeah. I mean, they've done, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know that I would go to that extreme because I'm real, because you and me know the pay, the, yeah. the fan, the fans, you know, and the fans tend to reject women, you know, yeah. women's fights. So I but think if, they as did long it, as, if they're big stars, if they're big <laughs> stars, I think. I think you can get away with it. Yeah, I think you know, you, depending on what the other two fights were. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think if you get be, Holly Holm on there, you know, and Misha Tate. Yeah, you know, you know yeah, you could, yeah, you could do it. You could do it, but I'll, I also think it hurt hurts when you need some big women's fights for other like fight night cards. But anyway, yes. but that's a great idea. Absolutely. But hey, we've come up with a great idea. At least you know, at least look at the idea of possibly doing three women's title fights, you know, on the same card and just seeing how it does. You know. Yeah. You know, hey, we've come yeah, up with not? a great idea here. There you go. And we don't, we're not even going to charge Dana unless he uses it. Um, okay. So we also need to talk about Friday, February 25th. See, Bellator returns to Dublin, um, you know, and, and they'll be there. You know, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're, we're worried about UFC maybe not being able to do London, but Bellator is going to be running Dublin for sure. They've already run uh, London. They've run Russia, they they have no problem running in Dublin, and uh, Austin uh, Van Zanterford is going to be uh, fighting for the middleweight title against Jagard Musasi. Um, you know, I mean, he's earned the title shot. He's eleven to zero, but this feels like a gimmick, um, and I don't really think that he's got much of a chance. But you never know. Yeah, I, I really think this is. Uh, I mean, Jagard Musasi has has destroyed a lot of people and is an all-time great fighter and uh, you know you got to give props to mr van zant for 
earning this title shot, but but I don't yep. know. I don't know that he stands a chance, and you know he probably stands a better chance wrestling, you know, on AEW than he does winning this title fight. Yeah, um, not much else for that card. Uh, Peter Queeley and Kane Musa, whoever the hell they are. Um, actually, I, I know who Peter Queeley is. I've seen him quite, fight quite a few times. Um, and then you know they got some prelim stuff. I'm sure that card will round out as we get closer to it. But that is February 25th. Um, not their first show of the year, but it'll be one of their first shows. Um, and yeah, um, and then we've also got uh, Diaz and Poirier have been uh, angling for a fight against each other. Yeah, they they've been you know doing their Twitter back and forth trash talk and and it's been talked about you know possibly being made and Dana said if both guys want it and the fans want it he would book it. Of course, you know Nate Diaz only has one fight left on, left on his deal, so there's a lot there and Dana even talked about it in his yeah. Brett Okamoto you know interview about not knowing what the future is for. Nate and he actually brought up Nick too, you know, not knowing what the future is for both of them. But uh, Poirier said uh, he didn't. He did an interview with Ariel Helwani on Wednesday after the Oliveira fight this past week, saying nothing interests him except a Nate Diaz fight right now. And and you know, and Poirier said he would fight Nate Diaz in January. I mean, if they really want to put it together and put it together quick, that Houston show for. For uh, in uh, in February that has Adesanya and Whitaker, that yeah they just moved uh, Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson that card. But when you looked at that card before they moved that, it was a a fight card that had a main event and prelims. It didn't have a main card. Like there was no there's nothing yeah. there that you could build a main card. And if you were to put that, I know you know it doesn't look like they're going to put a second title fight on that show. But if you were to put Poirier and Diaz as the co-main underneath Whitaker and Adesanya, Adesanya, I mean you have a huge fight card there, and it would kind of make sense. They tried yep. to book. Book Diaz and Leon Edwards for that for that first Houston show back in May, but it fe- but ended up getting moved to be a make good for the fans who bought tickets for that show to see Nate Diaz, Dustin Poirier's from Louisiana, which is you know right there borders Texas, pretty close to Houston. Probably get a lot of uh, Dustin Poirier fans from Louisiana coming over. I mean, that's the perfect fit for it if they want to put it in put it in you know anytime soon obviously you can put it on any other fight card but but yeah those two want to fight and i have a feeling that it's you know it's all it's all dependent on what nate diaz wants and 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 the funny thing is nate was talking about how he doesn't want to fight con fight connor because connor's only has you know he only has one win in the last five years five years but nate diaz has has only one win in the last five years as well. So it's just kind of funny. And I think both their wins are against each other, right? Uh, no, no. Uh, Connors was a, over Cerrone. And Nate oh, yeah, Cerrone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate was over Pettis. Right, right. right. Did you see that Nate Diaz yeah. video from this weekend? It's, no, of course not. Okay. You know me. Okay. Well, I don't know. Sometimes you might see some stuff on Twitter <laughs> where where he was he was at the uh, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley fight, and he oh, was walk. I he somebody was, somebody sent this to me. Yeah, he was watching. Watch. He was just walking, and there was some dude who was like carrying it, the videos from really far away, so you don't really know exactly what happened. What happened? You know, you don't know if this guy said something to him, but he acted like he was gonna. He did one of those, you know, fake throwing a punch at the dude at this guy. 
I don't know who it was, but the guy was holding a bunch of beer and the beer went flying in the air because he flinched. And it was just a hilarious video. And Nate's there walking off after it. Like, it's just a great video. Just funny stuff. You just know? no selling it. Yeah. Just, you know, um, just, um, so, and if they did that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense and you'd probably go five rounds, right? As a co-main event. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, it's Nate I, Diaz. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, it'd be fought under Diaz rules, which is five rounds, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I love the Diaz brothers. Um, and I gotta ask you this. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of the Diaz brothers, and this is, this is way off topic kind of, um, but don't you think hook reminds you of a Diaz brother from AW? <laughs> I haven't thought of that, but I mean, Hook, Hook is on his own level. That guy, I don't care. Yeah, I love that guy. I don't care. But he reminds care. me of of D of of like Nick, kind of Nick combined with Nate, a little more Nick than Nate, but just kind of like I don't give a fuck, his and I don't care about you. Yeah, which just, is fun. Yeah, which is funny because you don't ever hear him talk or anything. It's just no, just how he carries himself. Yeah. You know, he carries himself yeah. like a. Like a Diaz, like a Diaz brother, and maybe you know that's, I mean, you know he's, yeah. you know he's Taz's son, and they're big, you know they're they're big UFC fans, and and obviously at his age, I mean, I mean he's probably big Diaz fans because Diaz fans, so yeah, you see that. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised down the road if we, if we get Young Hook in an MMA fight. You know, yeah, uh, if he's, he's got the skills. If you're voting in any kind of year end awards ballots, if your entire ballot doesn't no, say hook, no, hook, then don't even no, send it in. No, 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 no. Daniel <laughs> Garcia for rookie of the year. It's a joke. I know, I know. It's a joke. All right. Uh back to MMA. Back to MMA. Uh, Daniel Hook Dan Hooker. Daniel Hooker. Daniel Garcia. Speaking, speaking uh, of Dan a hook, Ho- yeah. Yeah, Dan. Well, yeah, uh, Dan Hooker uh, moving down to featherweight, and he wants to fight Brian Ortega. Yeah. What's he, he thinking? He really wanted to fight the Korean Zombie, but the but they told him no that the Korean Zombie wasn't available. But then he said Brian Ortega. Hey, you got to credit him. He wants the toughest fights. He want he wants to get right into yep. title contention at one forty five. If you're moving down, if you're in title contention at one weight class, and you and you know you have a tough go, and you move down, obviously the goal is to get into immediate title contention contention and what better way to fight one of the top guys in the division and it's a fight that would make sense with both guys coming off a law coming off a loss so but yeah yeah that's the fight that that dan hooker wants and he pitched it to sean shelby and sean shelby seemed very interested in making that fight so we'll see if it happens not you know that's just not saying it's going to happen but you know if it were to happen that definitely could headline one of these fight night cards for sure so what's zombie doing? I just looked up his record. He doesn't have any fights coming up. Uh, supposedly he's injured. Who knows? That could be code oh, word. Okay. For, okay. That could be also code word for for he's coming off a big win and you're coming off a loss. We don't want to make make that fight. You know, we got other plans <laughs> for him. Yeah. Because um, because let's be honest, zombie should be one should be in a title eliminator fight fight next. And honestly, honestly, you couldn't put Dan Hooker in a title eliminator fight at 145 on the get go. I would uh, I would strongly consider putting Zombie against the winner of uh, the uh, the fight that's kicking off the year. Uh, yeah, if, coming up. if Giga wins, I would strongly consider that. If Cater wins, maybe yes, maybe no, but for sure, Giga win. You know, winning that. That sounds like a big fight. Um, okay, uh, any other news uh, before we get into our last segment? 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think, I think anything. That's it, eh? I don't think anything else came out today because I talked about you no. know some of the stuff Dana said in the interview. He didn't. He didn't say a whole lot other than that. That it was definitely. He said they think they did eight somewhere between eight point six and eight point seven million pay per view buys for this year, which was wow. which is the record record. And you know, talking about how how you know he has no stress in his life because he just kind of does his job but you know but you know a lot of the a lot of the big stuff is also handled by other people he you know he does a great job of delegating stuff to to other people which is which is probably good for his health and good for his sanity sanity not being as involved in a hundred percent of the stuff like in the fertita days where you know where he's involved in everything but his involvement isn't as huge in everything you know he's more big picture stuff you know these days so here's some more math for you. Um, if that number's right, let's just go with uh, 8.7. Let's just round it up to nine just to uh, just to be fun. Uh, if it was 9 million buys, there was 12 pay-per-views. That's an average of 750,000 buys per show. Now, obviously, the Connor and... Uh, and um, uh, Poy, the Connor Poirier fights bring up that average, but you knock off three million buys, you still you got off, five knock point off three, knock off three point five million. Okay, so so you still got five point five million among the other ten. That's five hundred fifty thousand buys per for you know per show, which they've had many 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 years where they didn't average five hundred fifty thousand buys. Yeah. So even without Connor Poirier, this was a huge year. Yeah, the two, um, because the, you know you had the two Adesanya. Two Adesanya fights were big. Those those did big numbers. The 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 last the, Usman, the Usman Masvidal, and then Usman Covington did big. Uh, Oliver Oliver Poirier, the last fight of the year, looks to have done about eight to eight fifty. So jeez. So yeah, because so Poirier, that's, um, Poirier, that's Poirier was that's Gaethje, right? I, I mean, no, that's Poirier. Or boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, eight hundred might be, eight hundred. You know, seven fifty is definitely probably at a bare minimum, but it looks more, more to the eight eight fifty range. So he's in the Masvidal range now, and probably ahead of Jones. Although yeah. I think Jones's first fight back is going to be huge. But yeah, but after that's that, a, you know, it's also post post two Connor wins and he lost. So so the loss could hurt him. It's yeah. kind of unknown, you know. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, yeah, but that's a big, big year for UFC. And you know what? Uh, ESPN's laughing all the way to the bank, uh, you know, from that deal they gave them that everyone said that they were overpaying for. Um, turns out that they had an idea what they were doing. Yeah. Um, then, okay, so... now UFC knows what they're doing because they might get, you know, at a, they might get tripled on, on their on their next deal with ESPN in a couple of years. Hey, you know what? Then ESPN will just push them that much harder and even more people will buy these shows because that's a big reason why why they're getting so many buys is because they're all over ESPN all week on on the week of a pay-per-view so it's uh you know they they're helping each other out um so the last segment uh for today we are going to revisit a couple uh, about a month ago I guess it was we put a thing in the Facebook um thread about um wanting some questions for uh people and uh to give us and then we were going to talk about because we got a few weeks coming up here with no shows to review um so actually garrett uh had one that kind of fit in with something you wanted to talk about anyways so uh garrett's question was if you had access to a rich person who wanted to get into mma what would your blueprint be to get started 
And, uh, you know, we can go a number of ways with this. And uh, I had an angle I was going to look at. But this ties in with uh, one of your news items in, in your column this week. So why don't you tackle this first? It kind of turns out we do have a rich person with money getting into MMA promotion. promotion and that's Habib Nurmagomedov, you know, with his whole <laughs> – with his Eagle Fighting Championship. They're, move, they're expanding to the U.S., running 10 shows. They made some signing signings. You know, a big signing was Kevin Lee. They announced they're going to do, do – instead of a 170 weight class, they're going to do 165 and 175. So uh, making some interesting moves. Uh I mean, you know, it's a, they're relying on a lot of prospects and a lot of, you know, a lot of guys you've seen in other promotions before, before, you know, it's, you know, I don't know that they have a TV deal, but, uh, uh, you know, it's a good start. I mean, Habib comes from money, has money, made a bunch of money in UFC. I mean, he could. He could easily get, you know, backers from the Middle East. Middle East. Uh, if you're going to start a promotion, I would say don't try to be – don't try to challenge the UFC. Don't try to be the UFC and uh, learn your position in the MMA. MMA, you're not going to be UFC. UFC. UFC could sell right now. Endeavor could sell UFC right now for $10 billion. Ain't nobody else ever going to be – Ain't no, there's no other promotion that's ever going to be, be you know, a tenth of that value, value, you know. So, so don't try to be that. I mean, and, but also let's be honest about Habib's promotion. It, if you want to have a successful MMA promotion, I think you need to understand that you're essentially uh, a UFC feeder league. You're a place for prospects to want to come to build up their spot to go to the UFC. And there's also a place for guys who get released from the company like Kevin Lee, you know, like, you know, like anybody else that they're going to sign to, who use that to try to work their way back to the UFC. Because regardless of, of what you are, these fighters have the mentality, the UFC is the NFL. That's their goal at the end of the day, at the end of the day, because, and let's be, and also, also, you know, it's, Obviously, we could talk about UFCP all day. It could be better. It's still probably the best in the sport and where you're going to make the most money because you, you could also, you know, use that to translate into selling yourself if you're able to make yourself a main eventer on shows that are on ESPN that are getting watched by 1.5 million people per week or even on these pay-per-views. You know, Habib Nurmagomedov is a massive star because he became a massive star in the UFC and a massive pay-per-view draw, draw in this it's funding his promotion, but if you come in the mentality of not trying to compete with the UFC and ultimately understanding, understanding that deep down your best place is as a feeder promotion in the UFC and you can run your business like that, there's very good chance you could be successful. Successful. Everything also always always hinges on getting the right television deal. But but there are but Habib looks like he has a good blueprint of possibly making out a number two and and, and obviously, there's not really a true number two in the landscape right now. No. Um, so I think the the closest that anybody's really ever come, I mean, there were two times. I mean, Strike Force was legitimate competition. Um, I mean, they never got really got close to UFC, but they're a hell of a lot closer than anybody is right now. And then Bellator, when they were on, um, you know, when they were on 
uh, Spike and before that on MTV2. Like they, they were doing some good numbers, you know, after UFC lost or went away from Spike. Um, but the pro, the different, the big difference between then and now is, you know, UFC was doing maybe one or two shows a month and now they're running pretty much every week. So if anybody wants to watch UFC, you know, they can watch or anybody wants to watch MMA, they can watch UFC. And you've got the great quote in your column. If there's anyone who studies the business of martial arts has learned over the last 10, 20 years, the normal viewer doesn't care about MMA, but they will watch and care about the UFC. Even when they were watching Bellator, they were probably, you know, probably half of them thought they were watching UFC, um, you know, even because it came on the same network as UFC had been on for years. And a lot of the names were the same and everything. And, and they did OK. But I mean, obviously, they didn't make a lot of money on pay-per-view when they went on pay-per-view. They, you know, they did like 100,000 buys. And that was for Rampage at a time when he probably could have done 400,000 buys in UFC. Um, I mean, that's the difference. Like right there is that US, those three letters. Um, so I think if a rich guy is looking to get into MMA, um, I'd probably advise him to spend his money somewhere else. Um, but you know what what Khabib's doing will probably work because it's you know it's not going to cost a ton of money to sign these guys and if he can get a distribution deal especially in Europe he's got a big name and and you know if he can get these ego fighting championship shows on TV out there and it becomes a way for European fighters and prospects here to work their way into UFC you know they'll they'll probably get some really good fighters and uh, then they'll they'll have an archive of library that they can sell and maybe they get on UFC Fight Pass or something and that's the key right like almost like a like you said a feeder system to UFC and uh, that'll be their best chance of succeeding but I I think that you know the jury's still out even on whether or not AEW is is going to be successful I mean all early signs are good and you know they're doing really well on pay-per-view and TV ratings and all that but they're a long way from WWE and um you know, and they're spending a lot of money to acquire talent. And, you know, we don't know what the ceiling is. And and with MMA, I think it's even worse. Like, I think you could sign, you know, all the big names from UFC and UFC just keeps rolling. I mean, they'll, they'll be hurt a bit, but it's not like, you know, if you bring Connor and Justin Gaethje and John Jones and all these names over and you put them on Bellator, that all of a sudden you know, Bellator is going to be doing a million viewers a week on Showtime. Like there's a limited amount of people that are going to watch Bellator and it doesn't matter who's headlining. So, um, you know, and that, that's, that's the problem they got. And, and, you know, when you start a new startup, it's going to be the same thing. And it's, you know, they've tried a number of different ways to run things. You've tried marketing yourself as an alternative. You've tried marketing yourself as a landing place. You've said, we've got the best fighters in the world. You know, we're better than UFC. None of that works. Um, PFL with the sports orientation. I really liked it, but pff, nobody's watching. It. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I would just say, you know, yeah. Yeah. They're not going to be on TV next year. It looks like right now. Yeah. I mean, Bellator's biggest homegrown star at the moment has openly talked about the day he goes to the UFC. I mean, you know, yeah, come on, AJ yeah. McKee. Has, AJ McKee. And, and then we have this yeah, the other, only other guys, the Pitbulls. Yeah. The Pitbulls, yeah. but you know. And and then you have Scott Coker constantly talks about about, you know, how his fighters match up to UFC fighters, whereas Dana doesn't even think about those guys. He he even admitted no. in his interview he doesn't think you know, this isn't like it was back in the day. He doesn't think about about any other promoters at all because he just does his own thing. They don't you know, they don't need to, they don't need to. And I think it's different I think MMA is different than pro wrestling. I don't think there's really an itch for an alternative. You 
you know, because everybody's no. satisfied with with what the UFC product has given them. Look at it; they just had arguably their best year of in ring of in ring fighting all the time. You know, they're not having to do these, and it's different from wrestling. Wrestling's having to give you stories to compel you. All these, all they, all the UFC needs to do is give you give you fights, and you'll enjoy them. You know, they don't need to. Yeah, like have all these that's a key, stories. Yeah. yeah, that's a key actually. Um, because if UFC was having you know pay you know pay per view main events falling out all the time and bullshit decisions and fighters walking away, you know, like all that stuff. If like every champion was like John Jones and never fought, like yeah, you know what? There'd be a, a market for another company. But UFC's hitting on all cylinders right now. I mean, they've got their problems. You know, Connor's a flake and John Jones is a train wreck. And but I mean, there's enough guys coming up and ESPN is making new stars like. Uh, three, four years ago, I think a lot of people looked at UFC and said, who's the next Connor? Like, there's nobody out there. And I don't think anybody, I think the idea when they hooked up with ESPN was ESPN's going to make all these big stars, but we didn't really identify who they would be. And it's happening. Like, you know, we've seen it. We've seen Jorge Masvidal. We've seen Kamaru Usman, Israel Adesanya, um, Dustin Poirier now. Uh, we got guys coming up, uh, Kamzat and uh, Shane, um, Sugar Shane, O'Malley, um, you know, guys like that, like, you know, the women, you know, Misha Tate, you know, is back. And yeah, it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's coming up roses for UFC. So yeah, rich guy out there listening, uh, spend your money on a hockey team or something and, and, uh, stay away from mixed martial arts because yeah, UFC has got that covered. And, and I will, I will bring up, I know Garrett's question was kind of spurred from, from that whole world fight league announcement, you know, yeah, everything that I look at uh, the world fight league about their plans, that promotion is going to be dead on arrival. I don't even know if it'll even ever actually launch in 2023 because when I look at how they're going to pay fighters, pay fighters and all this and that, all this and that, and just the structure, I go like, I just, I can't see that working at all, at all. It's just kind of, it's kind of doomed in my opinion. It looks like an excuse. It looks like an excuse for a bunch of retired fighters to uh, scam a promoter out of uh, money to be coaches. And, uh, you know, and we saw how that worked in IFL. And so. I mean, and, and let's be honest. Let's be honest. I mean, the World Fight League is already starting to claim that they're gonna they're gonna only be paying in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. When, when you start <laughs> when you start claiming that, that brings up a whole lot of questions. A lot of questions. Yeah, if a fighter requests to be to be paid in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, that's one thing. But for the promotion to come out and say, this is how we're paying you, that obviously already brings up a whole lot of questions. A lot of questions about, is there actual money in this? Where's the cold hard cash back in this? You know, I lost 200 bucks in MJF coin. I'm not uh, interested in crypto. Um, okay, so that is going to wrap it up. Um, so next week, we'll have a show. Um, it'll be uh, between Christmas and New Year's, so we won't have a show to review and we won't have a show to preview, but we'll have a show. And uh, maybe we'll, Ryan and I'll talk off air, but I suspect maybe we'll review an old show or something. Um, and we'll definitely dive into some of those questions that you guys sent out. Uh, we'll, we'll do three or four of them next week. And there'll be some news and uh, maybe some year-end stuff. Maybe we'll, we'll actually go over our year-end picks too because we're sending those in for fight game media so we'll, we'll do that and we'll have some stuff for you next week so tune in and find out what they are 
Uh, so I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, remember to hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And uh, Ryan's column will be up on, uh, well, next Monday because there's no preview column. He's, he's got the weekend off for Christmas and uh, hopefully Santa's good to him. Um, I will be uh, I will be back on uh, next Monday, obviously, and I'll be Wednesday for the Dynamite Show. And I've got, uh, you know, I've got my Grandpa Dez show on YouTube. You can check out as well. I got some guests lined up for this week. Recording everything ahead of time so I can have the weekend off too. So for Ryan, I am Paul, and Ryan, as always, take us home. Uh, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, enjoy your holiday week. Those of you who celebrate, celebrate. Those who don't, enjoy your week. I would say enjoy the fights this weekend, but we got a break, so enjoy your life this weekend and have a great weekend. Later.